the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down, eating your soul. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Now, your host, Eric Cartier, Senior Pastor of Rocky Mountain Calvary Church. Like a tide, it is Welcome to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Hope that you're doing well, enjoying the awesome weather that we're having in Southern Colorado. I have our worship pastor with me, Billy Demira. He's our worship pastor at Rocky Mountain Calvary. We're really excited about what God's doing in our worship ministry, and we're going to share about that in today's show. So how are you doing today, Billy? Doing great. Thanks for having me, man. I'm super excited. This is, this is an awesome thing. It's good to, good to have you. Yeah. So. Had a good day so far? Yeah. Yeah, great day. Just getting ready for service and stuff tonight, but, you know, fun stuff. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, let's jump right in and talk about uh, RMC Worship and yeah. uh, tell us what RMC Worship is and how it came about. Yeah, so RMC Worship is just honestly the worship team at our church. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was four or five years ago, a buddy of mine, Jay, was working at the church and the Lord really put it on our hearts to start writing songs. And we were going through a really tough season on the worship team, a lot of really hard things in families and marriages, miscarriages. I mean, you name it. It was, it was a really, really tough season. And Jay and I were just really praying about how to process what we were going through. And the Lord really put it on both of our hearts to start writing songs for our worship team and for our church. And so that's kind of how it was, how it was birthed. And if I'm being honest, we didn't do a really good job of being good stewards of what the Lord had put in our hearts, Mm -hmm. on our hearts in that season. And, um, we wrote a few songs and never really did anything with them, recorded one of them, you know, put it out. And after that, we just kind of took a break and life got crazy. Jay started having kids and, uh, got busy. A lot of kids. A lot of kids. (laughs) They're still having kids. I mean, it's crazy. And so after that, we, like I said, took a break. And then I think it was like two years ago, a buddy of mine, Cameron came on staff with us for a couple of years and the Lord really reignited that in both of us. And so we sat down, we started writing and songs just started flowing. Jay is a part of that process still to this day, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, we just started writing songs for our church and for our house and for our body. And the Lord's been blessing it, which has been a really cool thing. We haven't really like stri- been striving for anything to happen, but the Lord's just in it and we're just riding along. I mean, it's been wild. It's been super fun. That's really cool. Yeah. What would you say is your favorite part of songwriting? You know. Oh man, I think... My or what fear, do you enjoy the most? Yeah. I think for me, which is going to be no surprise for you, it's like the relational aspect of mm. songwriting. Like I love co-writing with people. That's cool. Um, getting in a room. Uh, Jay and I went to a songwriter's retreat in October um, with, with, a music, with a record label, and it was just so fun to get to sit down with so many different people and see where they're coming from, what their hurts are, what their struggles are, what what blessings they have in their lives, and kind of just get open and honest and then write songs from different places, from different seasons, from mm. different walks of life. And so that's been really fun. And I think what the other thing I really love about songwriting is when you come with an idea and it's like this ugly nugget 
yeah. if that makes sense. And then you spend time polishing and, and, um, you know, getting into it, getting after it. And then what ends up being the final product is, is really cool to think back of like, oh man, we've come, we came so far, you know, it started as this one little idea. And now after X amount of months or whatever, it's turned into this yeah. really beautiful thing that the Lord's using, which is really cool. That's got to be rewarding for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And they don't always turn out like that. Sometimes you have songs that you love and you write and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then you play it at church and no one likes it. Yeah. And you're like, all right, well. Have you had some songs that kind of hit the trash can? I Yeah, we definitely have. Yeah. I think that um, this guy that that is kind of like been mentoring me in some of this stuff recently, like he, he told me that he wrote probably a thousand songs and a hundred of them have seen the light of day. And so it's just kind of wild, but some of them I'm like, oh, this is a great song. And then we play it at church or something and it's like, "Uh, no one liked that song. (laughs) We're like, okay. That's funny. Yeah, it is. It's it's about What's the hardest part? Like what roadblocks do you hit? Yeah, I think, I think it's hard sometimes just to get into the routine of songwriting with like, I I really believe that songwriting is a skill Hmm. and that you have to be able to hone your craft in it. And I'm still working on it. Like I don't, definitely don't feel like I have it all figured out. Um, but it's hard to like get in the routine and write all the time because then you take a break and you feel rusty, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, riding a bike or something like you learn how to do it. And then the first time you get on, you're like, Oh, this is a little, a little rough. But, um, so I think just the discipline of it and when, when it becomes a discipline, it, it, it isn't as fun. Sure. You know what I mean? It becomes like something that you're doing to just do. Um, And so that's one of the hard things for me. And then also like a writer's block is just rough when you have like Mm. a really great idea and nothing comes from it and you just have to like sit or take a break and come back, you know, later and try again. It can be pretty frustrating. It's got to be hard if it's like, okay, I've got some time or I've set aside some time. I'm going to try to write a song and then you're just not feeling it and nothing's coming. Yeah. And then like you look at the clock and like two hours have gone by or something. You're like, I didn't do anything in that (laughs) time. I just wasted it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And then how do people find RMC worship? Like where do they go to listen to it? Yeah. So it's on every major streaming platform uh, out there. So Spotify, Apple, Pandora, Amazon, like all that stuff. Um, and then you just search RMC worship. So we're in the process of releasing an album right now. Uh, so we came out with a single in January, February. We'll release a single in March for Easter and then April. And then the album will drop in May. Okay. So, but yeah, RMC worship on any major streaming platform, you can check it out and listen to it. That'll be great. I know we're pumped as a church and the staff, and I know you guys just two weeks ago released a song in every season. Yeah. It's my favorite one so far. Me too. So you got to go check it out. Go to RMC worship uh, anywhere you stream music. Um, You know, as you uh, think about why is worship so important, you know, as a worship pastor, you know, how how do you encourage and speak into worship? Yeah, I think one of the one of the biggest things for me recently, especially with all this songwriting stuff and just wanting to have a vibrant culture of worship at your church. Like if you really want to have a vibrant worship culture at your church, I think that you need to have a vibrant relationship personally with the Lord. Hmm. Like I'm a really big believer and you can't take people to a place that you've never been yourself. Yeah. And so if your relationship with the Lord is super surface level and it's, it's really pretty, honestly, Hmm. then I don't think that you can be super effective long-term in leading a congregation deeper into worship. Hmm. I think that you can like fake it, if that makes sense. I know that sounds ugly, but like you can essentially like 
every, I mean, you, you might know scripture or whatever, but there's going to come a point when the surface level of your relationship with the Lord doesn't translate anymore. And so you're going to have to grow in that and, and figure out how to grow your relationship with the Lord. So then you can speak from a deeper place of worship, if that makes sense. Do you think it's tempting for worship pastors to get focused on all of the, the musical side of worship and the technical side and kind of lose their relationship with the, the Lord over time? Yeah, I think that I think that the performance over the people is something that the church in general is really battling yeah. today. We really focus on performance. Yeah, and and we don't really care as much about the people. Like how polished can it be? How can it look the best from the outside? And that's something that honestly I've grown to like really appreciate about our church. It seems like whenever we have a train wreck or like something crazy happens, everyone's like, "Man, I love the humanity in that." Like it's yeah. just like who we're just people, you know, doing our best to, to worship the Lord. And sometimes it doesn't always work out. And, um, but I, I think that the focus should always be on the Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can operate in our own strength a lot. I think it's a temptation for a lot of worship pastors and leaders to just be like, Oh, I know these things and this is what I'm comfortable in. But I think, you know, we've taken some risks over the past couple of years and, the Lord has just really kind of exploded worship at our church, which has been really cool. Yeah. It's been really neat to see the church grow in the expression of worship. Yeah. You know, to sing to the Lord, to lift their hands. We've even started to clap a little bit. Hey, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for us, but. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's time, not always in time. Yeah. The that's timing the, piece is, that's, is, that's rough. is difficult. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more after the break, but just Jesus's words and encouragement to worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah, and John 4, beautiful. We're a real truth-driven church, but mm-hmm. we also want to be a spirit-driven church where we're expressing our love uh, to to the Lord. So I have Billy Demira uh, with me. He's our worship pastor at Rocky Mountain Calvary. He's been with us for eight years. We're going to head to a break. When we get back from the break, we're going to talk more about Billy's background, but also uh, God's heart uh, for worship. If you want to check out our worship, please go to RMC Worship anywhere that you stream music. So we'll be right back. Stay with us. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Thanks so much for listening. Hope that you're doing well. Live in studio today with Billy Demira, our worship pastor. So blessed to have him at our church and also in studio with me today. We're talking about God's heart for worship and Worshiping in spirit and in truth, and how important it is uh, to to the Lord, and how to cultivate that that culture in in a church. And I've, I've been really blessed to just see our church really come alive to to sing to the Lord. You've been our worship pastor now for eight years, yeah. and maybe just walk us through that journey. You know, with, coming alongside of a, a church for eight years as a worship pastor is a long time. Yeah, you know how how have you seen the church grow in its expression of worship? Yeah, I think it's grown a lot. It was uh it was really cool a few weeks ago or I guess it was a few months ago now um when Richie Richie Fight came and led worship at RMC and for him to be like, "Man, like the culture of worship has grown so much here mm. since the last time I led here." And I think sometimes it can feel really slow it, like yeah. when you're there every week. Um and so it was cool to have like an outside perspective, but I do remember coming and when I first started uh me and you had just had conversations about committing to spirit led worship that was also rooted in truth. Um, yeah. like we see in John four. And I think the Lord has really blessed it. 
And um, I think that it's a, a really delicate balance. I know that there's um, there's a lot of churches who do one or the other really well. And obviously we're not perfect and we can grow in you know both of these areas or whatever. But I think a lot of times churches either fall really heavily into the spirit and forsake the truth or fall really heavy into the truth and forsake the spirit and worship. Yeah. And so trying to just make space for the Lord to move and speak and, um, you know, a conversation that we have all the time is, should we not do four songs or whatever? Mm -hmm. Should we do less songs and just give space for the Lord to do stuff? And we, you know, we have experimented in that, but I think one of the, the key things that, uh, develops that is just conversation like Mm -hmm. between you and I and between the pastoral staff and, and yeah. worship pastor, like, Hey, let's try this. Oh, that didn't work. Yeah. Like no one's in trouble, but we're going to make an adjustment it's and fine tune. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think we've, we've come a long way in that, you know, yeah. and I think it's been really, really fun to see. And I think, um, the church has just taken hold of it. And, and when you are at a place for so long, you, you have to develop trust. Like, I think mm. that leading worship is a lot about trust, not only from, the stage to the congregation, but from the front to the back of stage, you know, like if you don't trust the volunteers that you have serving on your worship Mm -hmm. team, it can be really hard as well. But I think just being there for so long that there's this, this trust between, you know, the worship team and the congregation of like, Hey, we're in this together and we're here Mm -hmm. to worship the Lord. And when, when the motives and the expectations are really clear, I think it's easy for people to, to get on board. You know, that's a good point. I think it does take time for, the church to get to know the worship pastor, the worship pastor gets to know the church, cultivate the volunteers. Yeah. We've really seen God be gracious to move in our volunteers as well. Like, yeah. Like God's really used you to cultivate our volunteers. And Amber and I were just talking uh, when we got home from church on Sunday, like just how much even like Giselle and Kellen, they're a yeah. couple of female vocalists that sing at our church and they've grown so much over the last four or five years. And and that takes time and it takes takes trust but and hard work and but God's really grown the the whole entire team. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really cool. I think that's something that we've been really intentional about. Like uh we see Jesus in scripture really take people through that discipleship process, right? Of like, hey, I'm going to do this, you're going to watch. I'm going to do it, you're going to help. You're going to do it. I'm going to wa- I'm going to help and then you're going to do it. I'm going to watch. Hmm. And I think when you really walk through that Jesus model of of ministry and of leadership, there's so much fruit in that, you know, and just letting people um, just do it and use their their talents and their gifts. And uh, Giselle and Kellen and I did a little uh, podcast episode this morning. We were talking about this exact thing. And I think that in in our culture, failure has a really negative connotation right. with it. But in in the like through the lens of worship and worship leading and pastoring or Mm -hmm. ministry in general, like failure is really an opportunity for growth. And I think that when you can't fail well or fail in a place that's safe for you to fail, it makes it really hard. But when you have cultivated like an, an attitude of like, Hey, we're committed to your growth and we're committed to you walking in the gifts that the Lord has given you. And some of that is going to be failure, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to grow from it. We're going to be in this together. I have your back then it really like just allows people to take off and to soar. And it does take time, but now like being on the other side of some of that and having some of these volunteers like Giselle and Kellen and Jaden and like Mm -hmm. some of these guys who have come up through our church leading worship, it's been a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's really cool. Yeah. That's really, I think that that's something that I also really enjoy about our church and my life is kind of a testimony to that as well. You know, I, 
started youth pastoring at RMC when I was 22. It started senior pastoring when I was 27. And the church has allowed me and continues to allow me to grow with them. You know, like I, I it was really rough when I was 27 and first started <laughs> yeah. senior pastoring, you know, and I think that's important uh, for people to remember is, is pastors, worship leaders, worship pastors, we're all in process, yeah. youth pastors, you know, and, and for a church to give grace to their leaders, for their for their leaders to be able to grow is, is a huge gift. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so grateful for the culture of that. I mean, it's, it's contributed to my growth a ton as well. You know, just you started think, young too. I know. Yeah. I think I was 24. Yeah. Yeah. 24. Yeah. It's crazy. You still had the big man beard at 24 though. Yeah. That's and pretty... now it's going gray. So I got to shave it cause I'm embarrassed, you know? <laughs> well, let's go there a little bit. Like your background, where you grew up, a little bit about your family. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in South Carolina pretty much. I was born in New York, but we moved to South Carolina when I was pretty young. And my dad was a worship leader for forever. Um, so they got saved. My parents got saved when I was in third or fourth grade. And so my dad um, was like a touring musician for a while, for a long time and uh, got, got saved. And uh, actually my mom started going to church. My dad didn't really want to go. And then the worship leader at the time was like, Hey, I'll, I'll pay you 50 bucks to come play keys. Like, and then my dad ended up getting saved through that. And mm. then he was the worship pastor of that church for a lot of years. And so music's always been in our family. Um, and my, you know, growing up watching my dad lead worship all the time. I started leading worship when I was in high school. Um, mm. I wasn't, I definitely didn't really like give the Lord my heart, uh, mm. in high school, but you know, I was still leading worship and trying to figure it all out. And then I ended up going to a worship college in Florida called Ocean's Edge. So mm-hmm. I went for two years and then, um, we did a men's conference back in South Carolina, like 20 minutes from where my parents lived at this Calvary chapel. And the guy, the pastor there, his name's pastor John, but he offered me a job like on the spot hmm. and I quit mid year, quit school and just oh, took you a did? job. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. I was in December. So I'd been for like two and a half years, I think. Okay. So then I, I quit school, moved in December, started January 1st, moved back in with my parents out to my parents, uh, and started working at Calvary. Okay. I was there for a few years. I grew up at a church called Seacoast. And so then um, worked at Seacoast for a few years. And then uh, I actually went to school with Chance, who was the former worship pastor. And yeah. he uh, like texted me one day and was like, man, you should totally apply for this job. And I'd been through a rough season in ministry. I was like, I don't know if I want to do ministry anymore, yeah. man. And he was like, oh, just try it. And then, you know, we flew out here. And I feel like as soon as we got off the plane, like the Lord was like, yeah, like this is what's next for you guys. That's cool. I was like, dang, okay. We're really glad you guys came. Yeah. So where did you meet Laura in that story? Yeah. Okay. So Laura and I met at Calvary Chapel. Um, She was volunteering in the youth group. And I was leading worship in the youth group at the time. And our youth pastor uh, at the time, his name's Oakley, like day one, he was like, you guys are going to get married. And I was like, <laughs> okay, dude, like You're whatever. Like, yeah. So then, you know, all the middle school girls and high school girls were like pining for us to like get together. And then we did. And, you know, we now we have, we're married. We got a kid. We got another one on the way. Yeah. It's been, it's been wild. Yeah. We were married for like four or five weeks, I think before we flew out here, we just sat down to make a five-year plan. And I was like, <laughs> we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to be successful. South Carolina is so cheap to live. We're going to do all this stuff. And then like within six weeks, I think we had like, everything was flipped on its head and we were like, Oh, I guess we're moving to Colorado in a few months. Like it was, it was wild. God's got a sense of humor. Yeah. It's funny. seems like as soon as you make a plan, he changes it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. You're like, Oh, this is what you want. And he's like, no, you're like, okay. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 
You're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier and Billy Demira. Billy is our worship pastor at Rocky Mountain Calvary. We're talking about worship and also RMC uh, worship. Uh, you can find it anywhere that you stream uh, music. We're going to head to a break and be right back. Stay with us. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. Billy Demira is with me, our worship pastor at Rocky Mountain Calvary. They're writing worship music at RMC Worship. You can find it anywhere that you stream uh, music, Spotify, YouTube, places like that. Everywhere. Uh, Billy, yeah, everywhere. <laughs> What's your favorite song on the album? Oh, man, that's so tough. Um, I'm, I'll break it down a little bit, I think. Yeah. So I think my... The song that means the most to me, there's two, In Every Season and then Faithful One. And I think my favorite song on the album is, oh no, but then there's Never, I don't know, there's too many. Never Change. Too many. I love Never Change too. That song mm-hmm. kind of, that song, actually that song means the most to me, period. So we wrote, when I was at Ocean's Edge at school, so this was like 12 years ago, me and my buddy Zach, who he leads at a church up in Fort Collins, um, but we wrote a song called Never Change, and his brother, who was, I think, 14 at the time, had just passed away from cancer. Hmm. And the lyric, one of the lyrics in that song is, if you give or take away, you're my God, and that'll never change. And so uh, we wrote that song. We released it um, we <laughs> under a different band name while we were at Ocean's Edge. And uh, like a couple of years ago, I remembered it, and I played it for Cameron, and Cameron was like, dude, we have to rewrite this song. Hmm. And so we kept all the verses and stuff. It was kind of, we, we wrote it as a more of a hymn, Zach and I. And so we just, Cameron and I added a chorus to it mm. and um, re-released it. And I, it just took on like a whole new meaning for mm-hmm. me and for us. And yeah, it's been really cool. So that's definitely, I changed my mind. That's my favorite one. Number one. Yeah. 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 It's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's a good one. Right now for me in every season yeah, is my favorite. Nice. But I love that they're one They're all, all really good. Thanks. Yeah. So, it's really, been fun. Really fun. Yeah. Have you seen God use some of the songs so far? You know, like, what are you hearing from the church? What are you hearing back from from people? I've got a cool story. Um, oh, I'd love to hear it. That, so my sister-in-law and her husband live in Minnesota, and they're a part of a, a little Baptist church up there. And uh, they were doing some new worship songs with their team, and this gal in their church uh, introduced them to an RMC worship song. And then they're like, oh, that's my brother-in-law's church. That's wild. And so here, like a little... Little town yeah. up in Minnesota that knows nothing about our church found arms to worship and was enjoying the songs. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. It's been really fun to see our church really latch on to to some of the songs. Um, just a few things that I've heard, like we had a, a few years ago, we had um, a lady in our church who had been there for forever, pass away of cancer. And she had, she had told me before she passed that she wanted, you know, this certain song that we had written. Um, at her funeral and, you know, like, uh, her son and husband had told, told me that that was like one of the songs that she like was listening to when she passed away, which Mm. was really crazy. Mm. And like, yeah, stuff that I like never imagined. And, um, I actually just shared this, this week with, uh, our like core team of, of people who write and I'll just read it. It's a quick, like little text message, but it just says, um, I have a friend who attends another church in town who has been struggling all week, and one of her family members was stabbed last Friday and has been fighting for his life all week. Um, he and his wife lost their son a few years ago and have been very angry with the Lord. So my friend is very concerned with 
with his salvation. And we've been praying fervently for healing all week, and it's been very up and down. And as of right now, he isn't going to make it. Um, mm. It's very dire. But a few days ago, I sent her one of the songs that we had written, um, and then to, you know, she said, in every season, before everything went downhill. Um, she said, I know this is kind of heavy, but I wanted to remind you guys both that this is about so much more than worshiping together at the church. People are listening to it in their cars on their way to work, in hospital rooms, and teaching their kids these songs. We're so blessed by the work of RMC worship that it's doing for God's kingdom. And it's truly a refuge for so many. Mm. And dude, I just started crying Yeah, and I sent it to like our core team. And it's like, this is what we've been praying for. Mm. You know what I mean? Like we've spent, we've, we've spent so many hours just praying that the Lord would use it. And Mm. because I think a lot of times, like we talked about earlier, it's easy to like want to do this stuff in your own strength and you start writing and then people are like, Oh, that song's so good, this and that. And then you like can get puffed up. Yeah. And so we've been like really just wanting it to be about our church for our church, like the lifeblood of our church. And so to, to hear testimonies like that is um, like, it's, it's what we've been praying for. And it's just so sweet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know it's heavy, but it, there, it's so cool. so much power in a song, in a worship song, yeah. you know, like songs stay with you in a way that a sermon won't, yeah. you know, and, and then it seems like a lot of times in those real difficult times of life, the Holy Spirit like reminds you of a worship song, yeah. you know, and, and to think that God's using those songs in some real dark nights of the soul is, yeah. is really encouraging. Yeah. Right. And I have like, we've been in and out of the hospital with our kid, you know, hundreds of times over the past mm. few years. And there's like a few songs that every time we go in, you know, like I put them on and I'm just weeping, <laughs> like, yeah. listening to them and they're, they're so comforting, comforting for me. And so just the fact that like the Lord would allow and use songs that we've written and that he's given for the same thing for other people. Like I can sim- empathize with it a lot, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's just an honor. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to, how else to say it. Like, it's such a blessing. Yeah. You know? Would, would you, this kind of tough question, yeah. but would you say some of the songs have been birthed out of the suffering that you're going through? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to be honest, like, I think we found out about our son as like a super rare genetic condition and life expectancy like isn't really great. And mm-hmm. so we, my wife and I have been walking through that of just the reality of like, we're, we're going to lose our son one day mm. and it's, it's hard, you yeah. know? And one of the only ways that I've been able to process that is through writing. And that was, so we found out about that, um, like a year and a half ago in October. And that was one of the reasons that we, like resurrected never change and that lyric that i was talking about earlier of of if you give or take away you're my god Mm -hmm. and that'll never change because um like i just needed it and it's so funny to look back and write that song like when we wrote that song like i said my buddy zach was like really going through it man and Mm -hmm. i was like man like that's so hard and then the lord is using the same song Mm -hmm. so many years later in my life for the same purpose you know what i mean and like, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, like, Hey, do you, like, you're going to write this song and one day it's going to be for a season of your life. I would have been like, what? Like, it doesn't mm. even, you know what I mean? I was yeah, 18, 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. It's just like wild. Yeah. And so, uh, a lot of these songs in every season's another one, like in every season I have a reason to worship Jesus. That's mm-hmm. it. Like, it's really simple. Um, but I think they're like anthems from, you know, like the, like you said, like the darkest parts of, of my life, to be mm-hmm. honest, of like how do I process this and how can I get through this? And everyone has their own heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
and everyone has stuff that they go through. And so just to be able to be, be some kind of beacon of hope, like in people's life is so cool, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that, um, you know, one of my friends calls it like he, he calls it a, he wrote abide, but he's a buddy of mine and he's like, great song. he's yeah. like, man, I just write, like I've had so much stuff in, happen in my life. I just write sad boy worship from my pain <laughs> points. That's what yeah. he says. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not like, I'm not the guy who writes like super fast, fun worship songs. Cause I just write sad boy worship and that's my lane <laughs> and I'm in it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, like, yeah. that sounds just great. Own it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 yeah. So the Lord's using it and the Lord has, has done a lot, um, through that. And it's been very therapeutic, I think for me mm-hmm. to kind of take a, a bird's eye view and a, uh, take a step back on what we're going through and look at it and be like, okay, like how can we bring hope to this? Cause if yeah. at the end of the day, like we all go through suffering, but if, if the end, if the end is heaven, then mm. that's, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. You know, it and is. we have hope in everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Man gets me excited for heaven. For yeah. Sure. Me too, man. I can't wait. Reminds me a lot of the Psalms. You know, I think the Psalms are David and a few others really trying to process their pain and yeah. their confusion and being honest with God. And and it's really you know modern day Psalms yeah. being being written to to the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're honest. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I really feel like too through COVID and coming out of COVID, like worship kind of gotten awakened among the people of God. Like, I think we all realize like live streaming worship is not the same. And so to be able to come together corporately and worship and sing and kind of come out of that darkness and into light. So, hey, please stay with us. We've got more to come. This is Billy Demira uh, with me today from Rocky Mountain Calvary. We'll be right back. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. Don't worry. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier with Billy Demira, our worship pastor from RMC. We've just put out some music, RMC Worship. You can check it out anywhere that you stream music. And we're really thankful for what the Lord's doing in the life of our church uh, through uh, worship. Billy, can you kind of give us a, a little bit of what the process uh, is like of being able to record and release music? You know, when you guys went... Went down to Nashville, recorded it, you know, and it's it's a lot harder than I think a lot of people would realize. Yeah, listen here. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> Please listen to our songs because it takes you five minutes to listen to a song. It took us a year, okay, to, <laughs> to get these songs out. Yeah. And it takes you five minutes. You can do it. You I believe in it. you. You can take five minutes. You can search RMC Worship. <laughs> No, but seriously, yeah, it took us a year. So there's yeah. so much that goes into it. So we basically went to Nashville and I mean, most people I would say record over months, right? Like, and then you edit, re-record stuff, um, produce stuff on the side and then kind of polish it all up and then you mix it and then you master it and then you can release it. So we did it, we did 11 songs in six days. So we were in the studio for... 14, 15 hours a day for wow. six days straight, seven days straight. And you had some pressure because you had tickets already purchased to fly home. Exactly. So you're like, we got to hit it. Yeah, hit if we don't run. get it done, we're not getting it done. Yeah. So uh, it's funny because we, we did like drums for two whole days, guitars for a whole day or two days, um, keys for a whole day, you know, and then we got to vocals and we had like a day left. So 
like normally you would take vocal tracks like four or five, six, you know, 10 times. I saw a thing the other day that some like secular artists like normally hits her stuff like 88 times. And we did it. We had two takes for Mm. every song in the time slot that we had. So that was all we had. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, we had somebody produce a bunch of stuff. One of my buddies, Adam up in Fort Collins, he's awesome, but he produced it all. That took, you know, months and months for him to do. And then we sent it all to the guy in Nashville. He like imported it all, implemented it all, took, you know, three, four months to mix it. And then it took a couple weeks for it to master. And then releasing is tough because on all these platforms, if you ever want people to hear your music, you can only release one song at a time. So it's not just like, Hey, here's our album. Um, Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a bummer. So I know that people at church are like, why are we only doing one song a month? But this is why. It's the forever teaser. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but no, so we're doing just, I think one more single and then we'll come out with the album, but it's just a huge process, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of back end work. It's not just like you go in and it's done like that week, you know, yeah. there's a lot of tweaking and EQing and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's a big, it's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel like Spotify and these platforms have changed music in general? You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's shifted a ton, you know, and how is it from an artist's perspective being in this Spotify world? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really cool because it's accessible, but it's also a bummer for like an independent artist because when Spotify first started, it was not owned by anyone. It was just curated by people who were listening to the music. And now a lot of these playlists that you listen to, especially in the Christian sector, are all owned by record labels. So if you don't have like a record label backing you, like no one's going to hear your music. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of a bummer. Um, But the reality is too, like for us at least, like I, we set out on this goal of recording an album for our church, for our church. And we decided a long time ago that like mission accomplished is recording an album and releasing it to the church. And so if that's ever... If, if that's our goal and that's what happens, then we did a great job. And so I think, I think it's easy too to get into this mindset of like, oh, if we don't have a ton of listeners, then what we're doing doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, kind of goes back to that performance. Yeah, mentality. exactly. So I, I think it's just hard when, when you're an independent artist to get your music out and heard now, which kind of stinks, but yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. So let me throw a little curveball at you. Ooh, okay. You know, how do you handle like, negative feedback as a worship pastor. Like, oh yeah. Cause worship is music is out there. Mm-hmm. Leading worships out there. You're going to play a song. Some people are like, Oh, I love that song. Other people are going to hate it. Yeah. Some are like, it was way too loud. Others. It's not loud enough. So yeah. How do you personally deal with like the criticism that comes your way? Yeah. I think that it's really funny in the church world. And I don't know if you've experienced this with teaching too, but like most of the time people only say things to you when they're offended. So like most of the time people aren't like, Hey, I really love that. Or that was really good or whatever. It's just like, that was what I expected and that's what I liked. And so I'm happy. I'm pleased. And then, you know, I think we've taken on this like consumer mindset when it comes to church, which is really ugly in my opinion of like, Hey, I'm here to be served by the local church. And if I don't like what's going on, I'm going to let everyone know. Which in reality, like if we just came with a heart of service and a heart of surrender to church, I think it would really impact the community. It would impact the culture of the church. Like Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be struggling for volunteers and we would, you know, like people would just be plugged in and like the church would be a really well-oiled machine. And I know that that's not always the case. Like, you know, it's, we have our 
um, preferences and that's fine. Um, but I think that one thing that we've communicated pretty clearly on is just the direction of worship and what we want. And Mm so, um, as far as outside feedback coming in, I'm really confident in like where we're going and what Mm. we're building and what we're doing. And I, yeah. yeah, And I know that like we have a clear vision and Mm -hmm. I think that when you don't have a clear vision in what you're doing in, in life or in ministry, Mm -hmm. like when people from the outside start poking and start like throwing in stuff, it can really rattle you. But I think when you have an idea that's clear and that's set out and there are steps to the plan, then you're just like, Hey, we're, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. These are the, this is the order that we've set before us and we're going to walk into it and kind of be unapologetic about it, you know? Right. And that, that's not to say like that you can't listen to people who, so right. you know, Hey, can you play Take this feedback. song? Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Like I never want to be at the place where I'm like, Oh, I, we have it all figured out. Please don't talk to me or yeah. tell me anything because <laughs> we're too good or whatever. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous, you know? But I think just knowing knowing what feedback is um, helping you move forward towards the goal and what feedback is a distraction, I think, is important. That's cool. Have you found good fellowship with other worship pastors in the city and throughout the state and kind of this collaborative effort to write worship music? Yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I'm going to be honest. This is like yeah. this is kind of a like not really. Okay. So I've reached out to a lot of people in the springs over the past few years, and there have been a few people that I've really connected with. Yeah. But for the most part, sometimes it feels like churches are are more isolated, and they want to be isolated. Like mm-hmm. this is who this is what we're doing, and this is what I'm doing. Right. And so I'm writing a lot with people who aren't in you know Colorado, who are in Texas, and. Okay. Um, Nashville and different places like that. And there are a handful of churches. I wish it was more like, I'm Mm. definitely the guy who's like, Hey, if you hit me up to like, try to do something or try to write or try to get together, like I'm, I'm in, Yeah, you know? Um, but I think it is a little bit harder and I don't know if it's just a cultural thing or if it's like, we're really focused on what we're doing at our church and that's what it is. But I, I do think that, I think that our, our city being united in that could produce some really, really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like one of the Achilles heels in ministry and pastoral ministry is we all get so busy. Yeah. You know, and, and then somebody hits us up and maybe we don't even follow up. Right. And yeah. And I'll get back to you and I, you know, and then, yeah, if we don't have time. We forget. And then, yeah. yeah, you don't want to be annoying either. So it's not like you're messaging the same person all the time. Like, don't forget about me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's hard. But I, I do have some really, really good worship friends who I, you know, get get together with pretty consistently, which is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, give us a shout out one more time. Uh, tell us where to find RMC Worship. Yep. So it's R as in Rocky, M as in Mountain, C as in Calvary, Worship, anywhere you listen to music. Yeah. So RMC Worship, anywhere. Um, coming out with another song that I'm really pumped about, just a really... Uh, Easter focused song, March 15th, which is going to be a blast. It's one of my favorite ones. I say that about all of them. So, you know, but I really, it's the title of it. Uh, that one's, that's my Jesus. So it's just kind of the story of Easter, the Lord coming down, um, dying on the cross, resurrecting what it means for us. And, uh, it's awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, Billy, thanks so much for coming in. We really appreciate you. Anytime, man. Anytime. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. God bless you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.